Hello, this is Pam Electric Ghost. We have uh, South Drive on, Tom. Hey, good to see you. Hi, great. So, um, yeah, we've been uh, interviewing artists since 2018, and we're part of Spotify. We're glad to have you on the program. So um, we'll just start with the questions that I sent you. Um, Brilliant. Okay, so the first thing we usually ask is, like, when did you first get into music and at what age? Okay, well... I mean, I guess I've always been into music since I was a young kid, but what I was into then is very different to what I was into now. So now, obviously, playing a rock band, into rock music. Mm-hmm. And I've probably been into that since I was 13, 14 years old. And I guess that started with classics like uh, your Blink-182, your Green Day, and it's kind of branched out from there. And now it's pretty much all I listen to is different varieties of rock music. So into music for a while, but I guess changed, as you do, taste change over time. Yeah, I actually, like when I listen to your band, I hear the Goo Goo Dolls, you know, I hear um, yeah. the replacements, which kind of the Goo Goo Dolls were like big fans of Paul Westerberg. And they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. became like the the more, the, the dream that Paul had, the Goo Goo Dolls actually, you know, achieved. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, so you guys are yeah, kind I mean, of sounding that, in that kind of, Paul Westerberg style of sound writing, which is, you know, Google Dolls. Everybody probably knows the Google Dolls more than Paul, but you, yeah, you have exactly. that sound. You know, also like like Third Eye Blind and Matchbox 20 vertical. Yeah, horizon. that's right, that's right. Yeah, you're in that. Well, I mean, I'm sure we'll touch on that later, but um, yeah. I mean, all the bands you've just mentioned, different members of the band are into. So yeah. I guess kind of our own interests come out in our songwriting. So that's, yeah. I guess, it's- why you're hearing all of that, yeah. It's great to, to, to hear the influences, you know, of a band and see where you guys are going. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So the other question we got into is like, okay, well, how long have you been working on music? Is that since you started to love music, did you actually pick up an instrument and start, you know, working mm-hmm. as as you know toward you know becoming the musician you are today, or you know, what form did that take from being yeah, a band I mean, to the... doing the work? The formation we are now, I guess we're still relatively new to what we're doing. So the, there's five of us now, but the core of the band, of which three of us remain, maybe formed about five years ago. Uh, that came about because we knew each other when we were, again, young kids, went to school as little ones together, but kind of grew out of touch. And then we knew that we shared an interest in music. We all played instruments and we thought, well, let's just get together. And we jammed, played the odd cover. And that was more at first to just spend time together. We never really intended to take it much further. But then the more we went with it, we realized, you know what? This is actually quite fun. We sound pretty good. Went for a couple of lineup changes and really changed the direction. That's brought us to where we are now, I think. So what instrument did you pick up? Where have you been playing? I, I play the drums now. Again, I never used to. I was never into music as much as the others, but it was more the case of doing it just so I could hang out with my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had an old beat-up drum kit at my house that my brother used to play, so I just hopped on that, and a few of them played the guitar, one played bass, just spent some time together, really. So who, who's the primary songwriter, or do you all write the songs? We, yeah, there's three of us that write the songs now, uh, we've had two EPs and there's been a lineup change in terms of guitar in between those two EPs. So there's three songwriters and then we all club together for lyrics as well. And as you touched on earlier, you know, we've got different interests and I think those influences come out in how we each write our own songs. So I think we've got a distinct style for each individual that writes them. That's interesting. So you have more of a group effort in the writing. Because some bands are always like, you know, 
you like you think about the Who, you know, Pete Townsend pretty much wrote mm-hmm. everything. You know, then when you get to you know the Beatles, Lennon and McCartney, and then Harrison and Ringo, they they wrote, but it was primarily Lennon and McCartney. So you guys no. were more like a, like a like a democracy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, as we said, we started the band as as a group of friends, so we've always got that that bond there, which means that we're very easily able to work together and collaborate. And initially, you know, the melody, the chords, the structure will be written by one person, but then that guy will bring that to the band, and mm. from there, we'll kind of work on it together. Yeah, so everybody kind of brings their talent. Like I've been in bands since, like you know, as the keyboard, I'm a keyboardist. So I right. I tend to write like I can write everything, mm-hmm. but I, I knew that the drummer was going to do a better job than my drum machine. And, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know, maybe my Moog bass lines might be close to what the bass player could do, but but mm-hmm. a real bassist, you know, even if the, my keyboardist, I, I'm playing a Moog, you know, a, a bassist sure. is going to play the, uh, a, a, a you know a bass better than than the keyboardist because yeah that's their instrument. But uh, exactly, yeah. So so when you guys um, you get together. Do you guys do everything like in your practices, like, or do you actually write the songs in the studio? Yeah, because some people like they they'll bring the demo, uh, you know, and then tighten it up and then bring it fully formed to the studio. Or do you mm-hmm. guys got to create things in the studio, or do you do not use a studio? Do you do your own like DAW recordings? We well, again, it's uh maybe something we'll come to touch on later. But we've recorded the two EPs we've done so far. We've done one in the studio, our first one, and the second one we did ourselves at home. Okay. Uh, and in the instance when we were using the studio, again, that was write it, make sure it's finished before we go in, because we've only got two days in there, you know? Okay. So it's got to be prepared. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the old days where you could spend a couple months and spend like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Exactly. That's just not an option for us. Um, but second time round, when we were recording it ourselves at home, the kind of creative process the writing process just kept going as we were recording you know you'd record it mm-hmm. you'd have another idea and because you can do it yourself you've got that control yeah um i think then we spent a lot longer on on the writing for that one so i think we talked about your influences a little bit you know i kind of picked them up you know but yeah maybe kind of speak out maybe you have some more so when you're writing like who are your influences and the reference points in your music i kind of we talked about it a little bit but mm-hmm um well I, of course i can only speak for myself i'm only one of three main songwriters i guess the songs that i write are the more your kind of classic upbeat pop punk style like i mentioned earlier mm-hmm. um big influences from your green day blink one it's a simple plan uh rise against that kind of yeah, sound, yeah. more up-tempo stuff but then we've got other songwriters as you mentioned earlier that it sounds more like a google dolls maybe the beatles kind of vibe yeah and then our other one we've got, I mean, he listens to everything. So his songs are really, really interesting. But you can definitely kind of hear in the songs what that individual's music taste is. So I think that, that gives us quite a, a unique sound, you know, because you've got loads of, loads of different things just mashing together to create our product. Yeah. So if you put yourself in a category, you know, I wouldn't say, like, I grew up with college, college radio, right? College radio. Mm-hmm was with where you heard like Google Dolls, who's could do REM. Right. And then it became alternate rock. And you know, and then it became indie rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so what we, based on the way they they put put you into into a genre, like if you're telling your promoter or your booker, what would you say your genre is? Yeah, I mean like I said, the the different writing means that we've got 
kind of a genre fluid sound but we normally if we're asked we just settle on on alt rock because it's it's close enough to all of our songs but yeah each song sounds a bit different people can call us what they like but yeah stick with alt rock for ease yeah that that generic thing fits in you know because it's not you're not you're not a grunge band you're more you you have the kind of sound like the counting crows which is like you know classic rock like a modern classic interpretation of like what rock is you know where tom petty was as the standard bearer of that type of thing, you guys, you know, like the Goo Goo Dolls and Green Day are more like post-punk, power punk. Um, but you guys kind of lean more toward, you know, the Matchbox 20 Goo Goo Dolls sound from my Yeah, from my I'd ear. say so. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that type of songwriting, you tell stories, you know. And so, like, are you guys, it seems to be like, you know, stories about relationships and, you know, and, and kind of, you know, like anybody can relate to the kind of you know heartbreak I hear in some of your songs talking about yeah. like different uh, scenarios uh, between individuals and romance that kind of like turned into you know these little uh, like snippets of of life. Is that, mm-hmm. is that what your goal or you guys do? You guys have like a theme of what you want to write? Or you just write what you feel. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Look, we're still only we're still only fairly young, 20, 21 years old. And of course, we've been writing songs from the age of maybe 16. So especially at that age, you go through mm-hmm. a lot of things that I guess every kid and young person has a similar experience there. So I think we figured, you know, it's a good way to express how you're feeling. But also a lot of people can, like you said, relate to it, can identify with with that feeling that's expressed in the song. And I think that means there's a bit of... Uh, people can kind of recognize where we're coming from when we write, and I think that helps them relate to our music a little bit as well. Your name or your band, you're from South London. Is South Drive like an actual street in South London? Or yeah, South- it is. It is, actually. It's pretty much from where I'm sitting now. It's not the street I live on, but I could probably hit it if I threw a stone out of my window. So it's a street just around the corner from us, actually. So does that have a meaning, like in London, that if somebody says South Drive, does that kind of have a connotation of, of like the community? Does that have the feeling that you want people to get from your band? Or do you just well, I want to name it after a place you knew? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to agree with what you said first. But to be honest, it's just a place that is close to us and that, that kind of worked as when we were trying to settle on a name. It was easy. It was nearby. And we thought it sounded pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. That's a cool idea. I mean, it's pretty, you never know where bands get their idea, you know, the name, their name from. Mm-hmm. But it's always, I always, sometimes I forget to ask the question, but this time it's okay. Well, I make sure I ask that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so you guys were talking about what, well, I mean, you, you, you do, you went to the studio, but then you start recording yourself. So then I always get into these like real technical kind of uh, recording uh, process. So uh, do you use digital audio workstations, use like analog, you know, gear, or you, you know, like use Ableton or mm-hmm. Pro Tools or, you know, what, yeah, what, well, how, do you, how do you guys record? Yeah, so the, the second time, obviously the first time it was in a studio, we got a guy to, I mean, they did pretty much everything for us, but second time round, that was all on us. And like I said, it gave us a lot more time, a lot more control. But there's only kind of one guy in the band who really knows his tech, knows his programs, and that's not me. But we did, like you said, we used Ableton to record mm. it. And then stuff like uh, the Blue Yeti mics, we hired an audio interface to do the drums. Mm-hmm. Very much a kind of DIY style. But once it was, you know, recording and playing was probably the easy bit, to be honest, for us, for the instrumentals, for the vocals. We just did our part. 
went in but then editing it on Ableton I kind of sat in a few times with the guy Alex that did it and that is a long process you know yeah that's art in itself you know yeah it really is so I mean it's a lot of a lot of times people just assume oh you know you're in a band what do you do you make music but no this the hard work for that second EP was definitely the work he did on Ableton I mean the hours he put into that very very long time and a lot of people might not appreciate that side of it Oh, yeah. I mean, like, people got to remember, like, George Martin was, like, the fifth Beatle, you know? Yeah. And yeah, they, and it really matters. If they, and, you know, as, as an electronic musician, you know, I have all my keyboards and stuff. I've mm-hmm. kind of been do myself do it myself. I've You kind of become a recording engineer when you're more into, like, synths and stuff. Because mm-hmm. you kind of, like, when you're a synthesis, you, you pretty much write everything. So I'll yeah, do sure. bass play, you know, so you end up learning a lot of recording engineering tricks. But if you're a traditional like rock bands, they tend to not, to not have that skill set. You know, they, they'll depend on producers and things. Yeah. Or people who know how to do recording engineering if a member is, you know, can do that. But that is in like in this day and age, <clears throat> it seems like more and more bands I've talked to, they kind of do in a D, you know, do it yourself thing. Because cause they, sometimes, you know, now in this coronavirus time period they can't get in the studio sure um, and so they want to keep on working on their projects and so they've been picking up main stage and Pro- logic and ableton and and trying to do as much as they can um to, to keep on pushing their bands forward definitely i mean we're we're very lucky to have to have a guy who kind of knew his way around ableton he's studied using that program before and he does a bit of djing and a bit of electronic music himself okay so that's, so that's probably work yeah that's why he has it. But if he didn't have it, yeah. there's man, I don't know what we would have done, you know. So he was doing that. That wasn't like a a, a, a COVID nineteen plan that you came up with. You were already doing it. Yeah, this was the last summer that we did this. So when when the world was good and you could go outside. So this was a talent that he had anyway. Um, gotcha. But it did mean that you know using a keyboard, we could add stuff that we wouldn't have done otherwise. So we're throwing kind of cellos in there, oh, yeah. a bit of synth in the background. And it does bring another dimension that you couldn't do if it was just yeah, recording what you play yourself. You up to like, you know, once you're, if you're like a traditional three-piece or four-piece rock band, you don't have a keyboardist. Once you get, you know, into the Ableton world or these DAWs, then suddenly you can bring in like modular synths or pads or exactly. you know, samples and granular synthesis, all kinds of crazy things that I'm into. But um, it just opens up to be more genre bending. And Yeah, for sure. And so then you can, you know, you can start throwing in, you know, Beatles stuff, you know, the George Martin stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely a, a big part of the sound we ended up with on our on our latest CP, like you said, because we were just able to throw all of this new and different stuff in there using Ableton, using keyboards and stuff. So do you guys play live in London? Like, yeah. Shows, you, do you have certain like uh, venues that you go to, or you go outside? Do you tour like all of Europe, or mostly England, or the UK? Well, we've um, mainly London. We've played a few shows, kind of down further south on the on the south coast of the country. Um, I haven't had any shows outside of, of the UK yet, but we've been doing shows for. Had a look last night. Our first show was about four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we had plans for shows this summer but that's all gone down the drain of course um but there's yeah a few venues there's a a big kind of chain of venues here o2 academy venues they're called uh and they're all across england we mm-hmm. played one of them in london a couple times and, and those are always good ones 
But cool thing about, you know, London, like I'm a big fan of like Hendrix, you know, Hendrix had to go to London mm-hmm. to get discovered. But and even to this day, it seems like the, the British mu- music scene, it just is more opening or more willing to listen to new bands. Than yeah. The, the U.S. scene, I mean, you, you have places like in New York, like CBGBs, and you have the Whiskey Go-Go out in L.A., um, but like it seems like, from my understanding, and I've talked to like you know forty bands in the last few years, it seems like you know Berlin and London just seem to be more mm. inviting to different types of music. Or yeah, I mean, audiences seem to be willing to listen to newer bands, not just cover bands. Like in the U.S., we have a tendency to people just want to hear like Leonard Skinner and the Eagles over and over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the cool thing about a lot of a lot of venues in London is that. A lot of them are are not just venues; they're they're bars, they're pubs. So people will hang out there anyway in the day, and they'll just be there for that whatever band happens to be on that night. It doesn't matter for them; they were going to be there anyway. So they're more than happy to just sit in and watch the band that's performing. And I think that means that a lot of bands, kind of whatever their style is, do get seen because just because people are going to be there. Yeah, it just seems like if you listen to the BBC compared to American radio. You know, I started to listen because you just hear more diversity in sound. Mm. There's so many different types of bands that, like, American radio is still playing, you know, Tom Petty over and over again. Not wow. that I don't <laughs> like Tom Petty, but it's like if I, I if I have to go to SoundCloud, I have to go to YouTube, I have to go to all these streaming services to find the new bands. You know, Instagram is where I find like most of the bands I interview. Because yeah, it seems like Instagram is the musicians uh social media service because this is where i find like more new bands there than you know even on my soundcloud i I find tons of bands on soundcloud but i actually get to see snippets and videos and see what the band looks like that's how i found you guys Um, yeah definitely definitely i think that's a huge part of finding bands you know i myself have, have found a few bands like that um from not just being in a band myself but i've got into bands through instagram like you said because you can kind of because you can see them, you know, it helps you know yeah. who's making this music you're listening to. You've got short videos, you've got pictures. You yeah, can yeah. kind of see more of the process than you could if you just listened to it. Yeah, it's even like more accessible than like the Facebooks, you know, the world just because yeah, I'll go to Instagram and then go to a band's Facebook, but it starts at Instagram. Definitely, you know? definitely. You know, and then maybe I'll go to YouTube because I, say, I find out a longer form video. Um but yeah, it's just, that's been a really, I think, a big, big boon to uh, a lot of musicians. And that kind of maybe gets into the question of like streaming services and social media. Um, mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, you know, I'm in my 50s, right? So the only way bands when I was growing up could ever get a shot, you have to get picked up on like SST or some small indie label. Right. Uh, and it's the only way you could get out there. I mean, unless you self-funded and try to go to CBGBs or try to go to some dive somewhere at some pizza shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> only way you needed, you'd be stuck being a cover band. You could never, you know, maybe put one of your original songs out. And then this whole world of SoundCloud, that's how I got into it. Um, it's because sure. SoundCloud started allowing me to put my sound paintings out, you know. And then from there, I got invited to do podcasting. Uh, on an app called Spearman, and then that mm-hmm. went away, and then I got invited to come on to Anchor, and it's just it was because I was able to get out there on SoundCloud. Um, so, so what what are your thoughts about like the the way the industry is today compared to I don't know, but you might not have known the way it was because you weren't around. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'll start by by touching on on streaming services, as you mentioned. Um, and I think that there's a good and a bad side to, to your streaming, to your Spotify, to your SoundCloud. And I think that they're great in terms of allowing bands to reach, like you said, a bigger audience than they ever could have done before, especially when you combine them with good and effective social media use. You know, if you know what you're doing on Instagram and Spotify, you can reach a huge audience just through those two platforms. Um, and I guess in a way, some streaming services can kind of be seen as a form of social media in themselves. And yeah. I say that because, yes, they're great for, for gaining exposure and getting your music heard. But in terms of generating money, they're not yeah. as good for that. You know, it's, <laughs> it's more use of, of expanding your audience, which makes it a bit more like a social media than an actual, an actual you know, money generating platform. It's kind of like, you know, the radio you know, was college radio, you know, you get on college radio, you, you you get heard, but you didn't really make a lot of money, you know, exactly, until yeah. you could get to the major radio stations. But it's kind of like the way SoundCloud is, is like when I was growing up, I mean, I was at my college radio station, I was a DJ, and I was playing like stuff from SST, all this like, oh, you know, you know, punk stuff and new wave stuff. And it was just like, can I wanted to hear deeper tracks? And so that was where, you know, these bands like R.E.M. came out of IRS or, you know, you get Who's to Do and Black Flag came out of SST. And then, they, you know, the bigger labels will pick them up if they, they got that buzz. And it seems like today now, you know, if you, you, you go on YouTube, you get a buzz, then the label might pick you up, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it seems it's cool for that. But the, getting paid, you know, it seems like musicians... Like, as a musician myself, it's like the only way I get paid is I do things like this podcast. Yeah. You know, I, I, I do influence marketing. I do, you know, I do, uh, you know, like uh, sync licensing. And then the actual other thing is the musicians make money from is actual touring and, you know, merch. Yeah. I make more money selling a T-shirt than I do sell my record. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Spot on. I mean, for me, that's a, a bit of a worry, I guess, that some young and upcoming artists there's a chance that a music career just won't be possible for them in terms of income. And that could, that could deprive kind of the world, the listeners from some great music. Yeah. Uh, it would be which, cool if, if the record labels could find a better model, you know? Yeah, definitely. Of course, some, some are better than others. Spotify is the most popular and it is also the worst, but then you've got your Deezer, Apple music, Amazon, Google, they're all a little bit better in terms of paying, but they're not as popular. So people don't really get the benefits of that. Yeah, and then the other thing today is like the album format versus the single. You know, mm -hmm. I grew up, you know, listening to the Beatles and listening to bands like Yes and Zeppelin. And you would listen to Zeppelin 4, you listen to the whole thing. You know, mm -hmm. you would go into the basement and put it on the vinyl with a bunch of your friends, you know, and, and you would listen to the whole record. But it seems like today, everybody's kind of geared toward building their own playlist with all these different, you know, genres. And yeah. then no one ever really fully listens to your full concept if you if you're a band that does albums. Definitely, yeah. Uh, and so I know you guys do EPs, and your fans, you know, they must be into the idea of of the album format. But you're not doing the full album; you're doing an EP. Um, so are you finding that your audience appreciates like your EP format, or do they more like pick up your singles? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, our plan was our next release, which the plans have been slowed down, was going to be was going to be a full length. We thought, you know, while we're new and starting out, part a few shorter things like your single, like the two EPs, just so people can get kind of a taste of what we're doing. And then when we've got a few listeners, got a few fans, then bring out the full length. 
to get more attention for that one. Um, but I think what you said with people now making their own playlists and not listening to a full record kind of ties in with maybe shorter attention spans of just everyone in general. You know, people aren't prepared to find a new band and then spend an hour listening to their album. Yeah, you know, think, they might be busy. They've got five, <laughs> ten minutes. I can only do a song. Yeah, I think and, what I find also is like, you know, music ever since Napster has been kind of devalued. Um, mm-hmm. And what's happened is like a kid will spend, you know, hundreds of dollars buying Xbox and PlayStation games, right? They're willing to spend $60 yeah, to do that, yeah. but they won't spend $10 to buy like a download like they used mm-hmm. to, right? Because they'd rather hear a playlist like while they're playing Grand Theft Auto. And, yeah and, and so the problem is like how can you get yeah, as a musician maybe to integrate into that new model like get your music into the games you know get your music where you get paid you know by the gaming company you know yeah and and to get get the kids attention uh where they're spending more time which it seems to be in the game um definitely definitely uh, so it's like figuring out a way to kind of get that kid's attention or that audience attention by finding new ways to reach them and that that they're willing to pay for <laughs> yeah definitely i mean like you said there's gaming and stuff like that now such a big part of, of kids growing up and maybe as that's come in over the last 10 20 years music has maybe gone down in importance which which is a bit of a shame for artists you know you spend all this time putting an album together thinking about track placement what should we open with what oh, yeah what goes well into the next song just to find that people don't really care what order it's in because they're going to listen to one song well, it's like whole thing, but the only way you could get your music you'd have to go to like we used to have a record store called strawberries and the only way i could get something i had to go to strawberries mm-hmm. and then the only way i could hear the song i love is i actually had to buy the whole album and maybe that was the problem with the record industry kind of created a problem where you know you in order to get the song you wanted you had to pay you know ten dollars when i first started buying music and then when cds got out there it started hitting almost twenty dollars to buy a record and they kind of like maybe overpriced the market and then when napster came it, it kind of you know challenged that and then kind of destroyed their business model mm-hmm. um and, and and they haven't been able to figure out a way to get that back you know to where it was like in 1983-84 you know you had you had to go to the record store to get yeah. anything you want and then the record companies kind of, you know, would kind of rip you off. <laughs> if you're yeah, a fan, you, you were forced to like buy these big packages in order to get what you wanted. And it was hard, you know, not to have to spend a lot of money. And now today you don't have to spend as much money to get like everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can see why people do it. You know, it's so cheap for the, for the consumers, for the listeners, which I, I understand why people do it. But the fact that it's cheap for you, people that buy the music obviously comes at a cost to the people who who make the music well i think the audience has forgotten like you know music musicians are it's 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 not it's not just a hobby it's not just a passion you know it's a it's a job in in and it's it's a career and if the audience doesn't you know engage uh in a way that supports the bands you're going to lose bands you know you're going to have bands that are you know in the top 50 that yeah. know, have label support, you know, and then it's going to be harder. I, mean, I think music, music, one thing about music that's always in, in, in light and you know, in heart gives me heart is bands, you know, musicians will play no matter what. They'll do gigs for free. 
they'll, they'll they want to get their music out. So you still get bands doing stuff. You still have all these new bands that I find every week doing this show. But it's just mm-hmm. disheartening that a lot of them are not getting the full, you know, recognition or or support that I think they should. So that's why I, I do this program to kind of widen, you know, the reach of the bands. Yeah, I mean, look, people make music, the people that do it, they do it because they love to do it. So, you know, if someone offers you a gig for free, if you really enjoy that, you're going to take it. Yeah, the but, exposure and get the gig out there, you know. Yeah, but, you know, that being said, you also need to be able to make enough money to yeah, support making your music, there. but also <laughs> to support yourself. And if you can't do that and you have to treat your music as kind of a, a hobby or a side job, then there runs the risk of you're not going to be making as, as good music as you could be otherwise. Well, yeah, if you could be full-time, you know, if you have the luxury to actually do this, like, as your main gig, and that's a lot, that's almost every artist I've talked to, they, they have to have some kind of other support um, um, because cause the industry is so, you know, the how we get paid, you know, they, they don't pay us right away. You know, you, you have to get to the gig before you get paid. Mm-hmm. You know, promoters always play games and, you know, booking agencies do what they do, you know, the commission, it's all these things that make it hard, you know, to make, yeah. to make a living as a, as a working artist. Um, and, and that's on, that's on top of the streaming services, not, not paying you. Oh well, yeah. Right? I mean, you get guys like you go to New York, you do a show. I did a show and my roadies were, you know, we learned that we should count the, the people coming into the club mm-hmm. to compare it to what the promoter would say. And we found a lot of times the promoter would always undercount how many people were really there. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, it does like, happen. It's like, it's like, why can't you be <laughs> you know, more <laughs> honest? You know, why, why do we have to do that? But, you know, we were forced to have to do that. But, you know, that's just the nature of the business. You have to kind of protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, definitely a shame, especially especially now when people are so so reliant on on shows to make money because you're not getting it through streaming yeah yeah in times like we're in now where you can't play shows a lot of musicians i know are are really struggling because of that oh yeah i mean the big thing now i mean i've been involved with a couple uh like new booking agencies that are starting to book people for online and i i just signed up with this online uh promoter They, they traditionally do do physical venues you know worldwide but they're moving into online uh, and they're trying to get a roster. Um, and so they, I, I signed up with them. I'm to see how it goes. But um, yeah, I mean, we're wondering, you know, I don't know how many, you know, fans are going to get to pay for these online shows. Um, mm. But they're, 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 the promoter came out and came to me. So that's cool. We'll see where that goes. But yeah, I mean, I think people want to see the physical, you know, band. I mean, that's the whole thing about going. Yeah, I mean, that's band. that's a really interesting one because obviously you've got to. People have got to try. If you're a promoter, if that's the job, you have got to make an effort. To I keep think it they're going. trying. Yeah, I think they're trying to figure out if it's going to work. They're going to try. It. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you need to do that if that's your job. If you're a band, you you're going to want to. You kind of need to play live, but at the same time, I like obviously I like playing shows, but I go to a lot of shows as well, and a huge part of it is actually being there is seeing the band being surrounded by other people and of course online shows just won't be the same in that way but you guys uh have you guys thought about seeing if you could get into that i see a lot of people just do it themselves they do kind of like an unplugged version on instagram for a couple Mm -hmm. you know or they go on facebook live or they go on twitch have you guys looked into maybe you know setting up a twitch account doing some like unplugged or shows from a garage or something 
are you thinking about that? Yeah, well, we've, we've thought about it. We've done Instagram Live a couple of times before, but the state of play in England at the moment is that you're still not allowed to meet up in, in groups of more than two. Oh, wow. You so we're like legally, well, our hands are tied. You know, we can't do that at the moment. Yeah, in so America, we can do... it's a little looser. So, yeah. you, do, you know, and then we're kind of paying, paying for that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, we, they, they, we keep on getting the hot spots because they're not being as tight as you guys. Yeah. And, and they don't seem to get it. But I'm like, okay. Because <laughs> they're just going to prolong it. It's like, I want this to get done. But if they keep on doing like silly things uh, and reckless yeah. things, then, then it's going to take us longer to get back, you know, to doing you know shows in new york and i i'm in new hampshire which is you know in the northeast but i mostly play boston and new york mm-hmm. and i can't i can't get there no. and you know that's where you make the big money where more money i mean the kind of money i need you know to do this and uh yeah yeah <laughs> and, and it's like the longer people keep on making mistakes the, the, the it's gonna longer, take longer it's gonna last yeah, right yeah. yeah to get there so we're kind of frustrated because you guys are a little tighter in in europe in terms of how you do things a little bit, yeah. I mean, England is is probably not as tight as I would as I would like. I feel we've we've missed a lot of opportunities. And like you said, the more that you are loose, the more relaxed you are, the longer it's going to go on. The longer it's going to be until we can get back out there and and start interacting, start playing shows, whatever it is that you do, is yeah. going to be further away. So, have you guys got any resources that the government is providing to musicians? I've talked to like I had a band from the Netherlands, they had a band from Sweden, and they actually had like government programs for like the arts that uh-huh. are, are supporting them in this kind of situation. Do you guys have anything like that? Uh, in short, no, we don't. Um, I mean, each country in Europe has got a very, very different response. And there's not, I mean, the arts industry are, are really suffering here. And there's been a lot of, a lot of attention, a lot of criticism about that. You know, venues are, they're maybe were worse affected than anyone here in terms of in terms of operating because they they just can't and mm-hmm. for the the gig economy people that don't have like a regular salary we've got a scheme here where you'll get paid 80 percent of your normal income but if you if your income's based on shows and stuff like that you can't really judge your normal income so oh so you can't you can't qualify for the paperwork for the bureaucracy exactly and like you said um a few minutes ago, a lot of people do have other jobs because you needed to fund a music career. And my hope is that people are able to get, get paid from those jobs. But in terms of getting paid for music now, it's, it's very difficult here. Yeah, that, that's a shame because it's like, you know, that's the thing where I think music needs to get valued. The fans need to realize, you know, um, you know, from back in the day, bootlegging used to like really cut into artist income and then, mm-hmm. you know, then Napster and then now streaming. Um, and it's just like, there's a, I think there's like, uh, it seems like to me compared to when I was growing up that fans don't realize that, you know, they think music is like free. Yeah, <laughs> definitely agree. That's the thing with the, with the introduction and the, the massive blowing up of, of your Spotify and stuff like that to the fans, to the listeners, music is not quite, but almost free. Yeah. You know, most people probably won't go a day in their life without listening to music once. And I think now because of how cheap it is people don't realize that there's got to be there's got to be artists there's got to be people behind that who are trying to make a job out of this you know and there seems to be just a a lack of will to actually pay for this product now in the same way you would pay for i don't know pay for food pay for clothes yeah it's the same thing it's still people making a product for a living during this crisis music is an art really is helping people get through i mean 
especially from, now yeah yeah from the from the art that people get from netflix you know or the or, or just listening to their favorite band on on spotify or you know any of the streaming services you know a lot of times people are getting through and i hear you know one of the metrics i heard you know from spotify because part of spotify is there are actually tons of people that are kind of in lockdown or listening to bands they never listened to before yeah they're, i mean looking at looking yeah. at our stats we've got more listeners than than your average day during this lockdown yeah because yeah, people need to fill that time you know yeah that's a cool thing but just the next step of that is like you know we're trying to get the the industry to not just have this a level tier like the lady gaga's of the world get the larger pull of, mm-hmm. of the money uh and trying to equalize that and make give us more opportunities to you know do the sync licensing you know, if Spotify has all these bands on their platform, they should be, you know, attempting to sync license more of these bands. Definitely. So yeah, that you definitely. get your stuff into advertising and movies and all this other media. Because everything that's out there that gets sold has, you know, music behind it. Yeah. And if you definitely. can get your music into like a 10 second, 20 second spot somewhere for something that's being sold somewhere. Uh, or being in behind on some kind of project that's out there that needs that kind of material, then these bands could get better support. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that would be huge. But a lot of stuff like that, a lot of your your movies, your games, they just fill it with people that are already yeah. already recognized, already yeah, famous, which problem. is great. But you need to open it up. <laughs> I mean, everyone has got to start somewhere. If you look at every artist that's big now, at one point they would have been small. And I just think it's becoming maybe a little bit harder for those small artists to grow and become bigger. Yeah, so the tendency in the music industry has always been to, like, you know, find a clone of the Beatles to get the monkeys, you know. Yeah. If you find, you you have, like, people saying, well, sound like this person. You have, you know, people that are, are trying to get, you know, clones of, you know, the current top ten. Yeah, get, I mean. get, like, a hundred bands that sound like the bands in the top ten. <laughs> definitely i mean we've that's what we've come across a few times you know a question that people ask a lot is well who do you sound like and we want to say to them well we don't really want to sound like anyone yeah <laughs> you know we want to the whole point is if you want to move the industry forward you need to be sounding a bit different well yeah um, i mean you, you had like you get the kurt cobain but you came from an era right of like motley Crue and, mm-hmm. and then rat and all these hair bands out of los angeles and then suddenly you get like eddie better and kurt cobain mm-hmm. uh, and then you get you know billy corgan from smashing pumpkins and you get the grunge era and, yeah. and it was it wasn't it was new compared to what was going on but but you know it really was kind of root you know it came from like the clash came from the sex pistols came from bands like joy division and stuff like that so you, you, people kind of rediscover something or somebody figures out a way to bring something back um yeah and so in music like a lot of times you just bring some a less you know maybe something that's not in style and you bring it back with a new spin on it um but it's not what's going on you know you end up bringing something new it comes comes to the to, to the stage and i think it seems like rock or alternative rock has been kind of pushed down in this era of DJs and the hip hop artists. Um, yeah, for it's, sure. It's not what, you know, and I've, I've done shows that I'm a, I'm a keyboardist, right? And I have all these modes and stuff and I got to set up like any band, you know, like any rock band, I have to do a sound check. 
Yeah. I get these promoters saying, well, how come you just don't have a CDJ? I was like, well, you know, that's not what I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so they want to be like, some clubs want to, in New York, they want to have like 10 bands on and just run, run from one CDJ to the next mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then not give you the time to actually do your sound check. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've played shows before, many shows where we've had, I mean, it sounds a little unfair to say, but often I find that promoters, bookers, uh, kind of sound engineers, they don't seem to care. You know, we've had people show up hour late, two hours late, and we've literally checked one line of our song and then we play. And obviously it sounds rubbish Yeah, yeah. in terms of, in terms of quality. Yeah, what well, is trying to make money the way they make money. But yeah. like, yeah, I've always had to kind of stress that, you know, in my line of business, like there's a, there's an idea that electronic musicians are all DJs and, mm-hmm. you know, more from the, like coming from like Genesis, yes, type of background, which means, mm-hmm. you know, I, I actually play my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the thing. I mean, nowadays, so many, so many famous musicians, musicians that people want to go and see when they're doing it live. Yeah. They've made it in the studio, but when they're doing it live, they don't, really play much no they're doing main stage you know running it off ableton they're, they got their yeah. sequencers going and they're just like have a couple of tracks opened up to, to yeah do vocals they've exactly. got maybe 10 10 freaking you know tracks of vocals and they're opened up like two yeah i mean look you clearly know? it's working because people are getting success but if you ask me if that's how you if that's how you perform you're not really playing music in my no opinion. it's not like i used to go see the allman brothers right and right. I'd see you know, Greg Ullman and all those on his Hammond B3 and Dickie Betts, you know, all these guys playing for like mm. three, three hours, you know, or go see Funkadelic play for like four hours. Yeah. And you see like Boots and Collins, you see these guys really playing, you know, and, and it, there's something about the fact that you go see a band like Funkadelic every night they play like the dead, you know, like a funk dead, they would play different. Yeah. We, yeah, we, yeah. Sometimes I would see a Funkadelic show that I go to two shows in two days because when they go to play maggot brain or they go to play one of their songs it wasn't the same every night yeah and that was that was the thing we wanted it not to be the same (laughs) yeah i mean that's what obviously playing live and music used to be and i think i think that's what it it still is what it still should be but i think there's a risk that people people want to hear something that's kind of pre-made and ready and like you said people just have to open it up when they're on stage and yeah, I'm, I've talked to a lot of bands that are kind of being forced to bring their 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 Ableton rig or their FL Studio rig like on the stage, and yeah. then they then they're kind of stuck with I gotta have a backup computer for yeah, my I mean, computer, and you know then I'm kind of locked into the groove and I can't I can't go as far as I want to. Can't can't get creative. Can't do something yeah, different. Right? I'm totally locked into whatever this song structure is, and all the backing tracks have kind of locked them in. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the fun in, in playing a show is that you're able to to get out there and do something different, do something crazy that sounds different to your recording. Yeah, I think um, that, that's getting lost a little bit because some yeah. of the big, bigger bands are running like that and then everybody wants everybody to sound like that, you know. Until you go to, like, if you go to, like, the Whiskey or Go-Go and CBGB type places, mm-hmm. you can you can still do a fully live show because those are, the smaller venues are allowing that more. Um but you get to the bigger venues, they want you to run more what they professional, you know, quote professional way of doing it. But um, yeah, yeah, it's just kind of disappointing, you know, if you're somebody that wants to get out there and really kind of, you know, rock out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, a question now, if you're 
if you've seen a band live or if you're discussing kind of which bands, which which artists are best live, a question that people often ask is is how close do they sound to their to their studio recordings? Yeah, yeah. And that's the way if they judge a live performance. And I don't think that's how it should be done, you know? Because no, it's not you're not think, meant to go up there on stage and just reproduce I mean, I, what I people mean, already know. If you look into the great ones like Hendrix, I mean I have all these I got like every Hendrix recording I could get, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and tons of my Hendrix recordings are all live, right? Yeah. Every version of Red House. Every version of Purple Haze are all on the Watchtower. Yeah, and they're all, they're all a little different. bit different, right? Yeah, they're all different. You listen to them in 69, you listen to them in 70, you listen to them in 68, they all sound different. Exactly. And, and, and that's what you want. I mean, even the Who, like Live at Leeds. Yeah. And that's one of the greatest like live rock bands ever, you know. And it's the way they did that album, it didn't sound like what was on the record. Yeah, and that was the that's the point. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. That's what I think. It's got to be the point, you know. And I think people have forgotten, you know. But I think bands like Pearl Jam and and you know you get the Foo Fighters and stuff. Even they get kind of locked in. Even big bands like the Foo Fighters that are kind of post punk are getting locked into their st structure. Yeah, um, I I think bands like Pearl Jam are still kind of playing uh, wide open. You know, bands like Radiohead because they're very progressive. They tend mm -hmm. to kind of go wide open. Um, but they've got like niche audiences, you know, that, 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 that will, that will go with that. Yeah. But they're, they're not growing. It, it kind of stuck in their niche. And, I see. And yeah. they, do, they do well, but they're not gaining like a lot of new fans. They've mm -hmm. got like their, their fan base. It, mm -hmm. it follows them like the dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. So what are you thinking about? how to move uh, your music in 2020-21. You guys got some ideas like for like your next album and, and your what your plans are going forward for the end of this year going into 2021. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the good thing about, about being stuck inside now is that I think, although not together, everyone in the band that writes songs has been able to, to spend a lot, a lot more time on that. You know, we've got more time to play. We've got more time to practice. We've got more time to write. Uh, personally, in the this period I've, I've written two songs tidied up some loose ends on songs that have been kind of hanging around for months or even years so i guess we've got more music ready because of this period of being stuck inside but the question is when are we going to be able to actually go out there practice it together start to really get into the creative process and then record that to bring it out and i'm like i can only hope that it's as soon as possible in terms of shows we had plans we had some really good shows lined up for for summer and then i obviously cancelled and i'm not sure yet if they're going to be rescheduled or what the plan is but i think it's just a case of of wait and see when we're allowed to to get back out there and play music and record music and then as soon as we can yeah. do that just jump on it yeah i'm thinking you know and it seems like that until we've got the vaccine or antiviral drugs that like venues that might not be willing to take the risk. Yeah, um, and I understand that definitely. It's I mean, yeah, you got to I mean, you got to put health first, right? Yeah, I think that's the thing. But hopefully, I mean, I mean, the U.S. The only thing we're kind of fraught with, <laughs> we got some guys they're kind of skipping steps. Yeah, I've I've seen <laughs> and, a bit of that. <laughs> and, and they 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 you know we're kind of scared. I mean, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I'm kind of scared in this kind of environment of the the, the guys we got in charge. Um, go and say oh yeah it's ready in november and we're kind of like yeah that's that's the one <laughs> yeah i mean honestly looking at <laughs> looking at some of the stuff from the states 
from here. It, people in this country are shocked, you know? Oh, yeah, it's pretty shocking. Like, how can you... It's, it's, I mean, I don't want to get into that on a music podcast, but look, it's beyond belief, some of the stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do what I call political electronic music, so some of my music addresses like things just not just like EDM. Uh-huh. Uh, I actually try to bring like Dylan-esque things into my music, so I'll make comments. And I've actually been able to write a lot of stuff mm. <laughs> in the last two months, and every day I get more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... Uh... Um, you can prove a great source. Like one of the bands I've mentioned a few times now, Green Day, if you look at their, their famous albums, oh, yeah. a lot of that is, is targeted massively at Bush at the time. And oh, yeah. it can be I'm, frustrating. I got but... a pretty good target. I got a pretty good target. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> a big target. So at least at least there's that. You know, it gives people, it makes people angry, you know, and sometimes, oh, yeah. sometimes I mean, anger can bring, can, bring out, can bring out music. Yeah, there's a lot of passion in our, like, uh, more, uh, you know, indie kind of, socio-political music for scene. sure yeah yeah and there's a lot of artists you know i've been working with some of um some guys are into this too that are less like you know we're, we're you know we're pulling like the connor Oberts point of view the dylan-esque mm-hmm. you know springsteen kind of idea like okay there's something going on i gotta say something yeah but i just don't want to, i want to write it in a musical way i want to have a statement maybe make it vague enough that i won't get you know like people coming after me but, <laughs> but but make it so you're making a statement you can kind of create some kind of false image and the, the cool thing with like science fiction if you think about like a band like rush yeah or bands like genesis and yes you can make a statement but you could kind of make it science fiction mm-hmm. so you'd be like an isaac Asimov or Bray bradbury version of dystopia yeah and you can talk about it in, a, in another world yeah, they reflect this world, and so if if you go from that point of view, you can kind of be a little safer. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> and you can still say something, and then it's hard to figure out. You know, like won't forget fooled again. Yeah, this whole idea of uh, this kind of dystopian world is like okay, well, you know, I mean, this guy is like the guy is the same as the last guy. <laughs> you, know? Mm-hmm. you know, and it's making a statement. He said, "Wait, they're are they talking about Nixon? Or are they talking about it? You don't know. You're talking about somebody." Yeah, um, but it's um. It's interesting um, what you can do. So you guys uh, are free to come back on the show anytime you've got your new material uh, or you're pushing any new projects. We like to talk to bands multiple times. Mm-hmm. We've had bands on multiple times to talk about the newest work. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. And this is going to go out <clears throat> within an hour to all the 11 platforms we're on. We include Spotify, Apple, Radio Public, Google, so we'll send you the links to the top like three, four um, cool, cool. podcasts that we are on. And we're really glad to have you on, Tom. And um, we're going to encourage everybody to click the links. We're going to include um, your Spotify link and some of the other links um, that you um, we found for your band, like your Instagram link. Sure, um, yeah. On the podcast. Yeah, great to talk to you. Thanks for having us on. And definitely keep in touch. I'd love to come back. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Great.